It's with the rustling, mate. What's that rustling noise you got there? You munching? I'm just gonna. I'm probably now. Nah, I'm probably gonna pick up leaves as we do this, to just so you know. I like it. I walk around the backyard and pick up pick up some leaves. Yeah. So what? Yeah, that's good. I like that. I like that imagery of what you're doing. I'm sitting in like a room at Mum's place, in the back room, so it's as quiet as possible. So it's kind of like pretty cagey. Yeah. Well, I've just, we've just got this tree, and you look up. I'm looking up at it, and I I don't know. I I'm gonna go as far as saying there's a hundred thousand, maybe more. Maybe 200,000 leaves up there. And I reckon about about 50,000 have already dropped. And it's a nightmare. This time of year, every year, we've got to, like, rake the backyard because it's obviously deciduous and it drops all its leaves. And it drives me mental. And I've, I've, I raked it this morning. And I'm looking out here right now, and it's already probably another 100. And it's just going to get worse and worse as the season kicks over. But anyway. Do you, do you get, are you so training yeah, the kids I'm gonna, to do I that? I hear some rustling. Are you training the kids to get into that? Come on, man. You've got two uh, little gardeners there. A, training's, a, training's a very strong word for what they do. They get bored of things very quickly. Um, being young. But uh, no, they like to play in the leaves. That's about the limit. But yeah. um, it is a, yeah, it's a pain in the bum. And it, this is this every, every late April, May. We go through this. It's like the annual pilgrimage of the leaves to come and land on our lawn. Love it. Anyway, so yeah, mate, making this conversation happen, it's pretty full on, and we're like, oh, we could do it tomorrow, we could do it the next day, but if there's a window, like I'm big on just making a 20 minute, 30 minute call, or if there's an hour, whatever. So basically, what I'm saying is, just op- opening up the window, mate. Open that window. Up. Well, the window's there, mate. You just got to whack your, get your head out, and feel the breeze. Beautiful breeze. Yeah, but like I think um, going back to the point, we had this a very brief conversation before this, and you were sort of saying, you know, about siestas, and I was just sort of making the point that, um, you know, working from home gives you the ability to have, I call it a nap, you call it whatever you want. I'm just this massive fan of them because, like, um, I don't really get up early. Like, if I consider how like, early someone like Langy or someone like that would get up to go to work, I don't do that. Maybe sort of. Quarter to six, but by the time it's um, one o'clock or two o'clock, like my brain's broken and I can't function anymore. So anyway, um, I've done a like a uh, bit of looking into naps and how it works, and the the, the very high level view of it is is that if you if you go sort of over the half an hour mark, it might even be something small than that, but let's just say half an hour, you go into a different level of sleep. You go into level. I don't know if it's exactly right, but level the say it's level one and then you go into level two. And by the time you get into level two, your brain your brain dropping out more. So when you're in level one, you know, you can still hear things around, you can still hear things what's going on. Your brain's sort of getting that sort of rest. But as soon as you go into level two, that's what when you wake up after you've had a sleep and you go, Oh, I'm so groggy, it takes you fifteen minutes to get back to what you're doing. But if you can keep it under half an hour you don't. You wake up and you're good to go. So you can just like wake up. Maybe it takes a minute, and you can power back on, and that will like keep me up. You know, in in the night. Like I remember when I was doing there, the NBA. I didn't have that chance to do it, but on the weekends, like what I do is just you know do some stuff in the morning, have a nap. Much to Kel's despise, she doesn't think naps are good ideas, but I love them. And then. You can you can smash it out another two hours at night from seven to or you know from eight to ten or whatever, 
your brain isn't just mush um, because you've had this sleep and you've sort of recharged it. Now, I don't, yeah, you know, the point that all the European cultures do that and how it works, you know, I don't know, maybe they're onto something, but um, I'm all for it. And anyway, the point is working from home, it gives you the ability to do that. Like I know that there was talking to someone in, in, um, at work and they were saying that in the city there is these sleep pods you can go to. Like they're just quiet spaces or whatever they are, and you go in there and you have a bit of a nap. But I think that's a little bit weird. But um, at home, mate, I've laughed like, what's today? Tuesday. I had one yesterday, last week. I had a couple where you just sort of, you know, set the alarm clock, set it out for 28 minutes, 30 minutes, and you just knock it out, wake back up, good to go again. But you've Brilliant. been doing that for a while, oh, hey? Africa. You've been doing that for years. I wouldn't say I, I knew what I was doing for years, but no, I, I said you've been doing like it for anyone, years. Like I remember having conversations with you about this years ago. Probably, yeah. Well, probably, definitely, maybe a year or two before I did the MBA. So that's probably that was three years. Probably, yeah, probably four yeah. years. I reckon. I don't know where I saw it. There's a. I remember the guy. There's a guy named Daniel Pink, who has nothing to do with sleep, but he did a bit of research on it, and I just, you know leveraging off the work for other people, which is what everyone does. But uh, and he I think he did a I think he did a video or there's another video out there and it just talks about it. And yeah, it's the best. It is the best. And you don't really get to do that on a normal nine to fiver. Uh, or most people don't get to do that. But um, yeah, that's one of the benefits of working from home. Totally. Massive social disconnect but, yeah. but can have a nap. Yeah. But so go back a bit then before you have your little siesta, you have like a little did you mention something about a journal or like a diary or something that you do in the morning? No, nah, I don't do. Uh, no, nah, I don't do. I, I am a bit of a to-do list kind of guy. I'm not. I'm not a full to-do list kind of guy. Like, this is not gonna. This is for the for the boys who do listen to this. Um, who don't have a the world. But um. Uh, Kel's calling me. We'll move on from that. We'll get it back to her. Um, is I'm a, I'm a big this fan of the zero inbox. If you can get there because, you know, it's already hard enough as it is with all this stuff coming at you all the time. Uh, if you can, if, if you're using your inbox as your kind of to-do list, that just like, again, my brain can't handle it. I need to have, like, have these are my tasks. This one to sort of do it. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't really do a journal, but I'd like to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. And um, uh, uh, and that keeps me sort of on track. And then I can do those things in the morning that are easier to do in the morning and I can do those things in the afternoon that are easier to do in the afternoon. So like to come sum, summarize like a day, a typical day for you, it would be like, okay, get up and you do. I mean, this is obviously working from home. It's the regular um uh, I'm not going to say, I can say torture sometimes, but the everyday reality of breakfast and, and getting kids ready for the day or whatever can be a form of torture, but it can also be a form of joy as well. But it's like, so you get on your computer, sort out your inbox, that kind of clarifies what the day looks like to you, clears a bit of space in your like head or mental capacity, punch out a bunch of work, whatever that looks like, get to the siesta time, punch out a 28-minute sleep, reset, and then the afternoon, do you go with like the same flow as the morning or is it just like, oh, I'll just set up the next day or next week? You know, it's hard, man, because I think 
like you, you would love to be able to, and if, you, if you're good at this stuff, I'm not probably not good enough at it, you'd allocate tasks that are like more admin-based stuff to the afternoon. And there's a lot of stuff of research and that's what you should do. But it's easier said than done. Like things come at you at all times and there's all this stuff around, oh, you just shut your email down and then you open it once an hour. Well, I think for some jobs you could probably do that. Like um, my job's very client sales associated. You can't just turn that stuff off. You've got to have a, you should have a response time that's pretty quick, and the quicker either you are, the bet—not doesn't mean that you're the better. But you know, if if you don't go back to someone for forty-eight hours, that you know, and, and then someone else is doing it within an hour, that's always going to be a better, op- you know, better option for them to keep coming back to that person who goes back to them within an hour. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't kind of—I think I've forgotten your question, but um, the afternoon, I think, like it's just—it just sort of emulates the same process as in the morning. Yeah, it's you know just just there's certain things to be done, but it's a, it is a weird world, man. I don't know, like you're know, working from home. My job was predominantly about going and seeing people and connecting and talking to people. Yeah, it's a bit salesy, but you know, and it's definitely a lot more difficult to do that from the home. I know a guy who does something pretty similar. We went surfing the other day, actually. Picked him up. Probably shouldn't have done that, but um, and he works for a very similar business to me. And he's like, he's in there in the same boat, you know. It's it's pretty it's pretty soft touch at the moment. It's a bit of a weird world with that. But I think what will happen is the expectation is once it all opens back up, you just have to ramp up and ramp up probably back to 150% compared to your 100% before because you haven't done as much connecting as you used to be able to, you know, you used to do. Yeah, which is all the more important for you to like keep those contacts happening and then the the turnaround times on communication is super important because I even look at it from all the different jobs and perspectives that all the boys have. It's like it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether you're in like construction or you're in like marketing or banking or education or telecommunications or whatever it is, they're like service industries just at different levels, right? So if you're not, you know, someone like Scott Lang is not treating the client well and getting back to them he's not going to get work right so he's got to be hungry for it and if Langy's not you know rocking up at 1am in the morning and doing work then you know those relationships are going to suffer just as much as you know the relationships that you have with clients if you leave it for 48 hours um, that's going to speak volumes about you know who you are and what what you represent oh I think that's just that's just the basics of it obviously it's just it's um that's just I guess, deadline management to a certain point. Where, you know, um, and everyone's different. I think it sometimes can be easier and harder when you're sitting in front of an email and you can just write back or you can just give someone a phone call and explain it compared to doing a lot of the different work that all everyone everyone who's going to eventually do one of these podcasts does because it's a very different structure. And, you know, to the point that you made of threads, I don't, I don't know what everyone does in detail. You know, I, I don't, but I think the basic principles of all this stuff are just, you know, people who, people who me off um, around, you know, they, you know, you write them an email and never get back to you or, um, you know, you ring them up and they, and they go, yeah, I'll come back to you and they, don't, they never come back to you. That just annoys me. I think there's just um, a certain level of regard for people that you can at least acknowledge them and say okay I can't do it right now let's sort of later whatever that may be uh, I think <clears throat> that resonates through every type of business because that's what business is all about whether that's in the public service and you're a teacher and you talk to someone and you know 
I was just struggle with people who just um, are a little bit aggressive around that stuff and just, you know, the the level of self-importance kicks up and it's like, oh, I'm too busy for that person. But we never do that on the street. You never just be like, oh, I'm talking to you. Like it's just, I think that's just rude. Yeah, exactly. Which is all the more, like this is obviously something I'm really consciously working on too in all these conversations that I'm having with all the boys and you. It's like if I say 9.30 to 10, then I'm going to, well, 9.30 to 10 barley time, then I'm going to stick to it as best as I can. And if I say there's an hour window for Ed the other day, I'm like, I'm sticking to it as best I can. If I say that, like, if Cashy rings me up and is like, can we do it tonight? I'm like, okay, I got a window, let's do it. So it's not just saying it, it's like actually going, yeah, I said it, so let's honor that time together. And that's also like a personal thing too of time management and making sure it's there's that exact same principle as what you said of when you say something, it's like, okay, follow through and do it, even on the very minute level of just having a conversation with the boys but it's still like super good practice to get into and hold yourself accountable oh, and i think that that's what it is like i think if you're if you work to by yourself i don't think, I don't think anyone really does i don't know if anyone does but accountability is really hard because if you i remember back when i was on the last job and it was like it was really um about just trying to you know, it's very money focused. Just bring in more money and do more trading and all that sort of stuff. And you, you're the only person you're really accountable for was yourself because it was either you made, you know, ten grand that month or you made twenty grand that month. Whatever, whatever the numbers were. They're not real numbers, but whatever it was. Um, so you don't, you know, like oh well, I missed it. Who cares? But if you've got someone that you're accountable to, and you're part of a team, or like you know. You think about what you're what you're doing for this with the school. Like it's so important to have someone that to sort of put you in the in a position and go, "Hey, I don't think you did a very good job," or "Why didn't you do that sort of stuff?" or "How did you do it?" or whatever it may be. I think if you don't have someone like that, or whether it's a boss or whether it's a team member or a colleague, you just you just you know you get lazy, you get really lazy really quickly, and you just sort of and you can and you justify stuff to yourself really easy like oh i didn't do it because of this that's fine then but it's probably not that fine because then it becomes a habit and then yep. that's when you know it all, turn, it all turns to shit yeah and that's where i see like you having really good habits uh maybe like your habits then turn into a uh like a rhythm and then they get integrated into like a routine even like you know three three years of like doing this 28 minute nap and seeing how valuable it is for you and whether it's productivity or whether it's you like being present with the kids or with Kel or you know you realize that in yourself it's like you know what 28 minutes okay so 28 minutes out of 24 hours you can give yourself to go like okay reset recharge reboot and then we're into it again so yeah I think well, that's what habits are habits habits are things yeah there's this good book on habits. I don't know what it's called. It could be called habits, something like that. And um, and it talks about when you get uh, when you get to a point of a habit is when think about when you like. I think one of the examples it uses. I can't remember exactly how it worded it, but yeah, when you're driving a car, become essentially it's become habitual in that it, you don't think about every single thing you do when you're driving a car. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's um, whether it's putting your blinker on when you're turning left or whether it's checking left and right, all that sort of stuff is so built in as a, as a habit. Um, and it makes an example of this guy who's got massive Alzheimer's, can't remember what he did in the morning. There's no function, but he can walk around his block and knows exactly where his house is because it's so different part of the brain 
is a part of the habit. So if you can get all this stuff, and Hubert could talk about this around sort of, you know, muscle memory and training and all that sort of stuff. I'm sure there's a whole raft of information on that stuff. But um, if you can get it into a habit, so whether it's getting up and doing exercise or whether it's doing certain things at a certain time of day and you do it consistently, then it becomes a habit. Then it becomes, goes to a different part of the brain and doesn't require the level of output that you need to put in, like mental output, as you need to put in every single day that you normally would. It's, 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 a not, it's, you know, it's, not, it's an easy thing to do, but a lot of people don't do it because it's, you've got to put the effort in up front. Well, that's it. And you know, theoretically speaking, it is an easy thing to do, but in practice it's like it, you can also look at it through the inverse of that and say how hard is, it is to break a habit. Like oh, if, man, it's impossible. And, that, right? and this book had some ideas around how to do it, but like I think about like I've bitten my nails for, what am I, 38, 37, for that many years. And I can, you know, mentally, you just can't break that habit just by saying, I don't want to do it. You got to just do all this other, you got to, there's this, you know, solutions and ways to do it. But, um, so that's what happens. You get that, you get all that good stuff into a habit. And then that's the point. It's hard to break it. That's it. Yep. All right. So, um, you've had some pretty cool experiences over. I don't know, like the past year, I guess, right? Like going over to America and Silicon Valley and also haven't even like had a chance to catch up with you about those epic pics you took of Urban Surf and how that was like. So, you know, let's give a bit of time to that. Uh, yeah, we'll do the, the pool. The pool's interesting first. I think most people who, who do business will listen, be interested in the pool. The pool's a, it's a funny little world. I think um, and I've sort of said this, you know, if you can hire it out to yourself, it's way better. I would say that the intermediate is pretty average, it's a little bit soft, the advance is really fun. But it's I think the what I liked about it was it's such a different, super different experience. Like it's not like surfing in the water. It's you know, you're surfing in a different way. I don't think it is as um, mechanical as you like it's not like Kelly's pool where the same way every time because on the third wave of the set there's a bit more wash from the side or this, you know, like set up for it. What I will say though is I was so cooked. I've never been so buggered in my life. We surfed for three hours, have had an hour break in between. And by the end of it, could barely paddle back out. Barely. And, uh, oh. So was that from paddling or from actually like, because you know when you're riding beaches, you get like a two second wave. If you're getting a five second wave, you're killing it on a sick bank, right? But is it because like you were surfing so much as in like wakeboarding, standing up and doing what you do or is it because you had to paddle that back out so many times? Uh, I don't know. Like I didn't, I, don't, I didn't count how many ways but I was saying to someone the other day like if you, if you get the first wave of the set, we had, I don't know, we had 12 I think people, if you get the first wave of the set and you get off early but you don't get caught inside or you get out pretty quickly because you, you can paddle out pretty quickly. You'll get the last wave of the set. You can get two waves of set, and then the sets come every. You know, but there's a break two minutes between the, the sets. Like, I can't even tell you many ways. It's like it was a awkward. super intense pace. Oh, mate, it's so intense, but it's awesome. And that, but you know, you, you still need to get used to it. Like, I there was a clip the other day of I think it was Jack Freestone and um, someone else. Some of the the creatures are pleasure, pleasure guys. And they're tearing it. I can tell you I was not tearing it. It was hard to work out. And you'll get a few good turns in, but you're not doing – I found it difficult to do multiple turns on every wave. 
And then the barrel was really interesting. Yeah, the barrel was really interesting. So they only give you the barrel so on the advanced session. I think there's there's a beast and beast plus, but they just called it advanced. I think ours was just the normal beast. They give you 40 minutes of normal waves, and then they give you 20 minutes of this barrel, and then the 20 minutes of the barrel. So it like it's pretty it's pretty amazing that they can make this thing drain like that. I don't really know the, the mechanics behind it, but the fact they can just you know pull a lever and the and the way that it fires is different, and it properly drains off this bank. Mm. Whatever you call it, it's not really a bank, is it? But it probably drains off, you know, this, off this concrete, and it's a cool little pit. Like, and I remember the f- the first time I did it was on the backhand, and I was like, whoa! Like I fully got one in the got it in the head and got smashed, and yeah. the guy before me hit his head, bleeding everywhere. No um, way! Like you can get flogged. But the right, you know, is a lot easier because you can sort of get ready for it and, and you're prepared for it. But the problem was to the right. That was the last part of the day, and um, um, I was so buggered. Like <laughs> you'd, be, you'd get one, you just like you know, you, you know, you're so buggered. You like your head just down, goes down. You're like, yeah, oh, okay, still can. <laughs> and you and you know that you know two things. You no, know, this is not surfing. You're, you're paying for it, and um, so you want to get the most out of your time. And two, there's a finite time you can surf for. Like. Mm. You know, when you're surfing, you just say, okay, I've had enough now, you get out of the water. Yeah. It's like you're getting told when you get out of the water. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know you've got five minutes to go, okay, I've got to push through this and do it. And so, yeah, three, you know it's like super fun. epic and you're not coming back tomorrow to do it, right? Oh, com- completely, completely. Like it's um, it's awesome. It's a really cool experience. I think obviously the, the, all the boys didn't get to go down, which is, which is a shame. Um, but it will happen again. But I think if they do want to go down – yeah, hire hire the whole side out. Just purely go for advanced because if you don't want, and the rest of it's a bit of a waste. That's like dreamy. I would love that. That would be so cool just to go down with everyone and just hire the whole place out and just go nuts. Oh man, that's like a dream. That's yeah, like the boat trip could have been, but that's also another thing I to kind of put to, in place yeah. for the future, right? That's that's cool. I could have two surf trips in a year. No, that's why I didn't go there, mate. That's why I just kind of gleamed over it and then went back to the other thing. I was like, oh, second boat trip. Oh, I'm second surf trip. (laughs) Anyway, so have you done your your MBA yet? Is that all done? It is is complete. I'm back to a normal life of um, doing nothing at night and watching watching television. How do you find that? Do you like enjoying the extra free time or you like your brain's going, oh, I'll do something else? No. No. It's it's um it's it's oh it's a little bit in the back of your mind where you're like okay I don't have to do anything now I can do whatever I want but it pretty much and this is talking this habit stuff it pretty much becomes the norm again and doesn't take long to become the norm and it's just like finish work and you do the kid stuff and then you're like do what I want now and it's it's not not anywhere near as productive but you know watch Netflix you know watch whatever you want you know read a book like it's not Certainly not um, the second day job. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, very much norm, very much. There's nothing wrong with normal and a bit of simplicity. So, but out of that MBA, you, you got to go over to, like, do a little business study trip, I guess, over to Silicon Valley. Is that right? Yeah, it was like a one subject. It was, um, I guess we were talking the other day about um, the difference between here and Silicon Valley, and that was, the, I guess, the point. Like, you don't get... We went over there. We got to see some like Uber and some cool like Slack and some cool companies. I think we went to LinkedIn. 
you don't get a real view of them. You only get you get the uh, oh, Salesforce. Salesforce. I don't know if anyone knows what Salesforce is. It's like a it's like this company, this customer relationship management company. Essentially, they build a software for that, which is just a system that you that you put all your client details in, and then the people to manage it. Anyway, they they Salesforce. They um, built this ridiculously. It, it is like proper tech tech propaganda thing. You know, tech world going going running the world. They built this crazy um, building in San Fran at the top of it. But the whole top, I'm going to say the top 10 levels is this, and Finn would understand this, I don't really get it, but like is like the outside of projects is like a you know, a video screen essentially. And then for a lot of the time they had this weird thing on it and it looked like the, um, the Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Right. So it had this weird thing. But then they also built this crazy, I'm going to say bus terminal. I don't know if it was a bus or a train terminal. Anyway. And it's amazing. And on top of the tunnel, you can look it up. It had all this awesome, like, it's essentially this park in the middle of San Fran, like downtown San Fran. And then it's good to go. They run it for a bit and then they found cracks in the, this is not, they might have fixed it by now, but they found cracks in one of the pylons and had to shut the thing down. The thing costs like, you know, billions of dollars to build. And they're like, no oh, well, way. can't use it now. There's one, there's, there's a crack. What? Um, but yeah, but um, yeah, like the, the Silicon Valley mentality. Is uh, it's a very strange, strange world over there. How would you dr- so... how would you describe that really quickly? Uh, I don't know. Like, and again, I don't know if I really saw the real the realness of it. You know what, what you actually see about the million hours of working and going down to the Google campus and you're going on there. I was just telling you the other day to watch this. There's a show about this. Um, it's a show called Devs. It's on it's on Foxtel, but um, and it's kind of a bit of a black satire of um, Silicon Valley culture where you just, you know, you just work and your whole life and everything you are becomes part of these companies and that's, you know, what it eventually becomes. And, and they become the messiah to the world. Um, we don't get into all this tracking stuff that Google do. I won't get in that path. And as much as I let them do it, I've got all these Google speakers in my house now. I still think it's probably a bad idea. But um, it's definitely off topic. Uh well, you know yeah, they're listening now. Right. We've got they listeners think... from like China and on Weibo and like all this stuff going on. Oh, I know. I'm watching I'm the analytics. I'm Someone in Perth. Hey, shout out to Perth. Whoever you are over there in Perth, then, shout out um, to you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they just have this mentality of like money's just a thing. We'll just if we if we can. I don't know. I don't know if the end game is money. Like it feels like either the end game for them is money or it's, it's people. Like it's they, all they care about is the two things of well, at the start of what they think about is okay, it doesn't even matter about money. It's just how many people have you got on your platform or whatever you whatever you're building, whatever the thing you're making is. And it's like, well, how do you make money out of it? Doesn't matter. That that's stage ten. Just get people on there. If you've got people on there, we'll eventually figure out how to make money. So that's the consequence of what um, they do, but is that like what's the driving factor? Do you think? Oh, well, this this mentality that there's people who are in tech are rich. But what are they doing? Oh, that's what I thought. Like, I mean, what are they? What's, what do you mean? What are they doing? What's their vision? Well, I have personal views on it, and like, I don't know. This is just an assumption, but it's like all those companies—they're creating the future. They're creating like an unknown future. And Ed kind of touched on this super duper wide uh, AI alter reality thing which i kind of love going down the rabbit hole of too but i mean all those tech companies they're creating a future which is like doesn't exist 
like LinkedIn didn't exist. And, and so I, that's why I'm asking, like, what do you think the driving factor is? The consequence is they have multiple people or millions or billions of people on platforms and money is, a, again, another natural consequence of, of having that business model or whatever approach. But what's the driving factor? Oh, I think that's, I don't know if it's that philosophical. I think um, they all start out and it's just a, an evolution of what they start out doing. You know, you can, you can listen to Reid Hoffman around how he started LinkedIn. There's heaps of podcasts on that. And, um, you know, his mentality was that he just wanted to connect professionals in a social network because he, the ones before that that he built didn't work. Um, and then it just rolls on from there. And mm. I think, you know, Google started as building a search engine and helped people do that. And then it grow, rolls on from there. So I don't, I don't think it's just one final answer that they all start. They all start these companies and go, okay, I'm going to build this. And that's what I want the world to look like. Whether it's, the, yeah. the, you know, and you always, you always look at the big guys, the Zuckerbergs and the Googles and everything. I think that's the, that's the, um, the template. But, you know, there's, there's thousands that didn't work. Out, like million, maybe millions of didn't work. So, yeah, that's when know, I bring it back to, to this. Go, go, sorry. Well, I was just saying, like, you know, we saw a few of the smaller ones, like the, the proper startups, and their mentality is really the mentality is, is you either, there's two choices. On this street, you fail, you get bought out, or you float your company on the stock exchange. They're, they're the kind of, oh, there's probably more, but very high level, they're the three choices you have when it comes to this stuff. And again, that's where it comes back to the money, but that's where I'm not 100% sure it's all about philosophy of, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's um, um, ruling the world. No, no, no. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's like the philosophy of ruling the world. I just think it's seeing like a, a, a gap in something. Like this LinkedIn dude was like, well, just wanted to create a platform. That's a gap. That's a future that really hasn't, you know, up until now up until the time where he actually created it and realized there was something missing in the market or whatever terminology you want to put around it. And then fast forward until now, it's like an epic professional platform to connect. That's what I'm talking about, like a future reality. I'm not talking about super-duper AI stuff, but just that, that kind of tech space of saying, oh, there's a gap in it and create something else and, and natural consequences that people either love it, hate it, you go bankrupt or you're really successful or you need investment and... Well, it's, I think it's two ways to look at that. It's either, either you go down the path of you sit around with some other little tech guy and you go, what can we build that people did a gap for and we'll figure out a way to do that and we'll build it and then people will use it. Or I think one of the, a lot of the ways it actually happened and there's um, this, there's a, you know, a bunch of this example as well with company Slack, which is a, um, you know, a internal sort of messaging productivity application. And that's happened organically out of a, some video game company of them building it and them using it and then going, hey, this, this thing's better than video games. We'll go and sell this to the world and take it from there. So I think there's not, like, I think there's two ways to look at it. And there's, but I think the ones that really seem to work are the ones that are built organically that evolve from where something that, you know, has, has certainly helped people. And again, the Reid Hoffman LinkedIn thing is not like he, he did sort of go out and say, this is what I want to build with LinkedIn, but he went there from from failure, and it's like an iteration on an iteration upon an iteration. So it's not just this. I don't. I feel like there's not many other guys out there that just go out there and shoot shoot for it and always hit, hit the first shot, and that's it. They've made heaps of money, you know, whatever it is that they do. Um, 
Oh. I think it's, yeah, it's, I, I thought about that, thought about that a fair bit. It's a bit of a weird one. Can you hear that? It's a very, it's a very, yeah, what was that? <laughs> it's just started to like pour with rain here. <laughs> yeah, right. Hold on. I don't know. It's a very, it's a very specific mindset, that entrepreneurial mindset. I don't necessarily think I have it. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a risk taking mindset and willing to fail and start again. And like, I'm so stoked that say someone like Finn's gone and going, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give running my own business a go. Um, might not work, might work, you know, like, but I think having the balls to do that, like, I don't think I've, I don't think I've got them, but I wish I had them, but, um, I'm stoked that someone can actually go and do that. Totally. So, I mean, I'm just moving cause it's like super loud. I'm mobile. So then if you go to that experience and then having the experience, which the majority of, of us have had growing up on the central coast, I mean, I know the differences are big, but I mean, what do you take from those two big experience of having grown up on the coast, moving the city? Like I talked to you yesterday and you were like, you know, this was a no brainer to um, stay in Sydney and not to um, commute. But then having had that experience too, I don't know, I'm just interested in your reflections on having those three kind of super different experiences. Oh, like Sydney, Sydney's whatever it is, it's not a thing. I think... Um, it is a thing know, compared to the Central world, Coast though, right? Yeah, it, it is. But in my world of work, it's weird because there is still that, there's this thing here that um, I don't think anyone really gets from the coast, but I think someone like... Who would, anyone who's worked in Sydney who's had like worked in this sort of world gets it where it's all about what school did you go to? And it's not university, it's what school, like what high school did you go to? So in other words, what private school did you go to? Which comes back to what school did your parents pay for you to go to? And because of that, you then are in a different club than the people who didn't go to a school like that, which is, which is bizarre because, you know, and people hold on to it for years. Like I was speaking to a guy who... 50, 55 and still it's about you know went to Riverview played football there like, who cares but that, there's that certainly that mentality here but you know, the point that I was making around living in Sydney for me is I just don't want to sit um, on a train and I know I speak to people like Finn and um, like, uh, Nick Coffin did it Matt Waters all these guys um, have sit on a train I just know and I did it from the first part of it, and I know what it does to you and now you've got kids, I can't, I, you know, you just never see them, and especially in winter, you leave in the dark, you're home in the dark, and I think that would be, people who do it for years and years and years, and I think that would just fully depress me. I reckon I'd be like, I'd get depression from it. Even, even these days, you can watch Netflix or you can read books or listen to podcasts. I just don't think it's enough. I think it would just um, massively take its toll. Hence the reason I'm saying I'm staying in Sydney while, while that. But I've got a really... Like I get this got this idea. I don't know. Who, again, I might have talked about about this to someone about um, you know uh, really uh, you live in the Sydney and all you're doing is you pay more for a house, you pay more for food, you pay more for everything else. So you got to earn more. But maybe you live on the coast or wherever. It doesn't have to be the coast. It could be you know Boomerang Beach or whoever. And maybe you just scale it all back and you go, okay, well now my rent or my mortgage is significantly less. So I don't have to earn anywhere near as much. Uh, I don't have to um, – I don't pay as much, so then my lifestyle is essentially the same. But maybe I'm living in a much better place than having to deal with this sort of – this rat race of it all being dollar value-based and, you know. So I think, you know, 
I'm certainly not changing what I'm doing, but that's that is something that you got to that eventually I think triggers for a lot of people, and that's why they probably move to the coast or move away from Sydney because like, what's the point of all this? Yeah, I mean, I think just listening to you, it's just interesting to kind of reflect and say, well, basically, it comes what is really important for you, where are your values, where are your family values, your personal values. And you can put a, um, like a monetary value on that, or you can put like a status value on that. But when you really strip it all down, it's like what feels right for you. And it's not going to be the same for someone else. It's not going to be the same just because you commute to a place or because you live in a re uh, area like the Central Coast. There's no point in comparing. It's like, okay, so what's important for you? And, and first and foremost, what's important for you as an individual and your sanity or your health or well-being and also for your families too. So, mate, I think that's a good, a good I will, point. I will tell you this much, though. Go. I'll tell you this much. Um, it's very depressing. Uh, this is the opposite. Seeing things like, "Hey, the channel's really good," or "North End is pumping," or "North Shell's good." When <sighs> tell you what, and Sammy Patterson can attest to this on the weekend. Um, it is absolutely rubbish down here in the in the water all the time. I think there's barely a day and it gets good and it does get good. Um, there's some spots that do get good, but you'll be sitting surrounded by 15 people on on either side of you and in front of the back of you. <clears throat> so, you know, if, if a priority is to go surfing, this is the wrong place to live. Well, there you go. You brought it to the word priorities. What Although, are your priorities? If your priority is to have a... Well... Again, there's always going to be a better or worse. There will always be a better or worse. So it's where your priorities are. And if your priority is to have a, a conversation with someone for 40 minutes, then we've successfully done that. So that's a priority of the day. You can tick that off the list. Yeah, well, don't make your priorities getting barreled in Sydney because that's certainly not going to be... Uh, yeah, well, well there you go. There's your, expect, your expectations are too high, mate, if, you, if that's a priority and you're living in Sydney. You got to have an outlet, though, and this is the only outlet a lot of us have. Totally, totally. And, um, no, I get it. If, I get if, it. If the, out, if the outlet makes you more frustrated um, because you go surfing and you just go, "Oh my god, this is so shit," and you like, you know, come in, and you like, you know, throw your board in the rack, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's crap." That's not the point. But saying that, I'm sure I'll go back the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Yeah, that's it. Glutton for punishment, mate. Let's do it. All right, well, yep. I'm, I'm imagining it's like almost siesta time for you, 28 minutes. I don't know how many leaves you've collected yeah, there, but I didn't hear too much rustling. No, I've just sat down. That's good. Decided against the leaves. I like it. Good decision. All right, mate. Mate, wonderful to chat. Wonderful to chat. Good um, to chat. Doing a great job here. Keep it up. Let's get some of those, um, some of those others on here and we can really, you know, we can really go deep with some of these some of these guys and we can all learn we can all learn and we're all gonna come out on the other side of better better people because we all know each other so much better. Yeah. It's all about the love, mate. Well, I'm gonna uh, Sammy's been hitting me up, so I'm calling out Sammy right now. I guess Sammy's up next. And I guess when you proclaim something in front of people, it's like, okay, well you gotta have it gotta happen now. He's gotta make it happen. So Sammy you know what the best part about this is? Okay. What? So now you've called out now you've called out Sammy. He's you have to listen to this for forty minutes. I wanna see if he actually listens to it and goes, Yeah, I'm cool to do it. Then you'll figure out if people are actually listening to it. Oh well. Maybe we can edit it out, but anyway. 
Sammy. All right, brother. See you, pal. 40 minutes on the dot. Have a good rest of the day, mate. See ya. <laughs>